This is Trek FM. Helling frequencies open. This is your Trek FM Hyper Channel for Monday, June 30th, 2014. I'm Christopher Jones, and I have one story for you today. Ubisoft says video games will become more immersive than the holodeck. For gamers in 1987, the Enterprise-D represented not so much an amazing achievement in Starship Engineering, which of course it was, but rather the ultimate console. Forget about staring at pixels on a television and tapping away at a control pad. On the holodeck, you could dress up and actually live out the adventures. It may seem far-fetched even today, but Ubisoft Toronto Managing Director Jade Raymond believes this is the future of gaming. In fact, she thinks it will be even more immersive. All right, I have to just stop you right there. Jade, what's more immersive than the holodeck? I'm not sure, unless you could walk around on a planet's surface. I suppose that virtual reality technology could give us something more immersive than the holodeck. She does mention in her discussion that took place, by the way, at Game Lab, they were talking about the coming of wearable technology and virtual reality devices and other technical innovations that will mold the future of gaming. And of course, people think about Oculus Rift, for example. We've seen the news stories recently about the recreation of Voyager and of the Enterprise-D bridges. And that's great, but it's, I don't know if I would really call that immersive. I mean, I don't want to wear some giant contraption on my face. Now, who knows in the future if they could get this down to the point where it's like regular glasses, and I'm not talking about Google Glass, where you look like a Vorta flying a Dominion Jim Hadar ship. I mean, just regular glasses, but somehow they have heads-up displays. But even that would not be as immersive as the holodeck. So I'm curious to know what kind of technology might give us this. But it's an interesting idea, nevertheless. And I, I agree that gaming is headed in that direction, I personally cannot yet envision what would allow us to have something better than the holodeck, as it's portrayed on Star Trek anyway. Let's not get into the nuts and bolts of how you can continue walking across a landscape endlessly, even though there's a wall in front of you. You can go read the technical manuals if you want an explanation of how that would work. It still has always seemed to me kind of like great in theory, but odd in practice. But who knows what we'll have in the future. A few quotes from this article that's over on GameSpot. And by the way, this article is by Eddie McCuck. And I may be mispronouncing your name there, Eddie. Sorry about that. He's writing on GameSpot. And the article says that we are constantly challenged by new technology And we're always looking to think of new ways to surprise players. This is something that Raymond, the again, the managing director at Ubisoft Toronto said, speaking at this event, which was in Barcelona. And uh, the quotes were reported by Pocket Gamer. And she said, I've always believed that one day games would be more immersive than Star Trek's holodeck. I got into the game industry because I have a lot of questions, and I honestly do believe that games can help us answer some of them. Quoting the article further, now this is not a quote from Raymond, this is actually what Eddie is writing here. 
The article says many are looking to VR devices like Oculus Rift or Sony's Project Morpheus as ways in which game creators can build more immersive experiences. However, commercial versions of those devices are not yet available, and it remains to be seen if VR can have mainstream appeal. And I think Eddie has a really important point right there. Mainstream appeal. Definitely, there are going to be gamers, there are going to be people who are going to love to have things like Oculus Rift. But for the mainstream, I don't see it happening, not not in this form. I mean, I'm a tech geek. I'm a gamer going back to when I was a kid and I had my Atari 2600. And I even played E.T., by the way. I had one of the cartridges before they buried them all. But still, for me, I'm I'm not going to wear Oculus Rift. I've actually tried a few of these things in the past, a long time ago, actually. They had one for, oh, what was that? Like Motion Boy, something like that, I believe, that Nintendo had done at one point. And they just make me feel kind of nauseous. And I think that's a problem that must be overcome. And it's interesting to think about with the holodeck, because you're actually in the environment, that wouldn't be an issue, I suppose. So I don't see mainstream appeal for any type of virtual reality device currently in development. For me, this is the same as with 3D television technology. Now, I have a 3D television. In fact, my computer displays that are right in front of me as I record this are also 3D. I can flip a switch and I can put on the glasses and I can watch movies in 3D. I don't. I never use the 3D features. I won't say never. I rarely use the 3D features of my television or my displays because I don't want to wear glasses to watch the movie. And I think that we've seen the failure of 3D televisions as a hook to get people to replace their existing televisions with new televisions. And I think it's because the mainstream consumers, while they may enjoy 3D images, they don't want to wear glasses. When the time comes that we have commercial products that are televisions that have 3D, but you don't need to wear anything, which we will eventually have. You know, there are some right now that that work that way as prototypes. They're not anything that you could afford to buy and they're bulky, you know, it's early technology. When that time comes, I think we will start to see 3D entertainment take off. I don't know when that time is going to be. But even that is nothing compared to creating a holodeck. That technology seems far off in the future, though I don't think it's impossible. I just don't know how many advancements are needed in order to create that. And my biggest question about this article is what is more immersive than the holodeck? That's what I'd like to know from you. What do you think? Do you think that we will have holodeck-like technology for gaming and entertainment in the future? And how do you get more immersive than the holodeck? That's what I want to know. If, If you have an idea, tell me, what do you see that could be more immersive than the holodeck, apart from what I described at the beginning here, of having just regular glasses like eyeglasses or sunglasses that you're going to wear anyway that feel like a natural thing that we wear today 
that somehow bring you into this other world, this virtual world that's far beyond the current augmented reality technology, but is actually like something we would have seen on Star Trek on the holodeck. Let me know if you have any ideas on that. You can find me on Twitter. My username is C Brian Jones, the letter C and Brian with a Y. Also on Facebook, facebook.com slash C Brian Jones. And let me know what you think. And I'll put a link in the show notes to this article over on GameSpot. So you can go read the whole thing and you can read Eddie's thoughts and you can also read Jade Raymond's thoughts and see if you agree with her. Now, that's the only story for today. News is kind of slow here over the weekend and kicking off the week. But I do want to say thanks to Alex Greenwood and William Mann for some feedback on the show about Orsi and the next film. And and thank you to everyone who sends me feedback after different shows. Hopefully I haven't missed any of them. Hopefully I have responded to you on Twitter or SoundCloud or Facebook or wherever you're leaving me comments. If I don't, hit me up again. Let me know. You know, I may have missed something there. I certainly do want to talk to you. About Orsi and the film, William said, For true fans, we have the novels, comics, and even independent episodes But for the mass audience, we need to start some exciting new adventures. And I think that is the goal of the reboot, of course, is to bring in more of the mass audience to something that's new for them. I agree with William largely on this. And of course, I read the novels and I read the comics and I watch the independent episodes. In fact, I do another show called Continuing Mission here on the network where I actually interview the people who create all of these different fan series. So go check that out if you haven't heard it yet. It's trek.fm slash cm. That'll take you over to the page on the website, or you can find it in iTunes and everywhere else. Had some great guests on there. The The one thing I would add here, which I told William on Facebook, is that new and exciting adventures that have some connection to the core of Star Trek. That's what I want to see it's hard to do on the screen, on, on the big screen. It's hard to do on film because you have two hours to work with and moviegoers are demanding action and explosions and, and blasting music and special effects. And so there's only so much you can do, but still I want to see a connection to what makes Star Trek Star Trek a little bit deeper commentary, a little bit more character story. And and then I don't mind the action if it serves the plot. So, William, thanks for your feedback there. Also, Alex Greenwood on Twitter said uh, a number of things, but one thing he said is, agree, no more shoehorning of TOS actors, hashtag no cameos. So, Alex, I'm glad you agree with me on that. Alex also said, my villain of choice, Tellerites. That's an interesting one there, Alex. I don't quite know how that would work since we're in the 23rd century and Tellarites are one of the founding members of the Federation, unless you had some renegade Tellarites, the way that you had Cybok in Star Trek V, where you have a Vulcan as the villain. It's certainly possible. It would be unusual. And if they did it, it would be interesting to see what kind of story they came up with. You know, on the one hand, if they did it, knowing that the Tellarites are part of the Federation, if they did it in a way where there were some sort of renegade Tellarites, 
one aspect of it that could be nice is that they would be showing an alien culture in which not everyone's the same. You know, that's the pitfall that Star Trek falls into very often. Everyone in the culture is the same. And we know that that's not true of us as humans, and it wouldn't be true of other cultures either. So it could be an interesting twist. I don't know. I don't think they'll go that route. That seems very difficult to do and pull off without upsetting fans greatly. I think we'll probably see something new. I hope. All right. Well, thanks for your feedback as well, Alex. For everyone else, um, hit me up with some feedback on the show. I love to hear from you and I'll chat with you wherever you are. And I'll share some of it here on the show as time allows. To close out today, I do have a network update for you. And we have two new shows for you today on Monday. And the first one is a special episode of Commentary Trek Stars. Now, normally Commentary Trek Stars drops on Fridays, but we have a great episode for you this week as Mike and Max are joined by Patrick McKay and J.D. Payne. They are the two writers who will be working with Roberto Orsi to write the next film. Over the years, there have been 369 people who have written for Star Trek, McKay and Payne are the 370th and 371st writers, and we have them for you live in person on the latest episode of Commentary Trek Stars. In the interview, Mike and Max talk to McKay and Payne about their Trek fandom, their screenplays which led them to Star Trek. They talk about working with Roberto Orsi and responding to the criticisms fans have of Star Trek Into Darkness. And also, we find out that they've never seen Deep Space Nine, and so Mike and Max try to convince them to go watch DS9. So check out this episode. Again, this is Commentary Trek Stars, episode 87. You'll find it in iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, all the places. Go to our website, and you'll find it there. Uh, look in our social media. We have links to it there as well. And, you know, I there's been some written interviews that have come out, but these are them live in person. You can hear their own voices and find out their thoughts on writing the next Star Trek film. Also, we have a new episode of Standard Orbit, which always drops on Mondays. And in this episode, Mike and Drew will be doing a comparison of the IDW ongoing comic, The Galileo 7, and the original series episode, The Galileo 7. This is something that they do from time to time. We've done it on the Ready Room once, I believe, a long time ago as well. I don't even remember now which episode we were talking about. I don't think it was the Galileo 7. I think it was Where No Man Has Gone Before, I believe. But it's interesting to see how they compare, especially early on in the ongoing comics, where the storylines were really similar to the original series episodes. But by the time you get to the Galileo 7, you're starting to have it diverge just a little bit. This was issue 3 and 4. And it, it doesn't diverge as much as the later ones do, but it's it's interesting to see how they eased us into it. And so Mike and Drew will be talking about this. They'll be discussing whether Spock is more self-sacrificing or more motivated to save lives after the loss of Vulcan. And uh, they're also pitching the next vignette for Star Trek Continues featuring everyone's favorite thing, 
Vulcan PowerPoint presentations. So check out Standard Orbit. You'll find both of these episodes in your feeds right now if you subscribe to the individual feeds for Commentary Trek Stars and Standard Orbit or to the Trek FM Complete Master Feed. And again, you'll find these anywhere you get your podcasts or go to our website and stream. And you can also grab the RSS link from the website page if you use a third-party podcatching application. Well, that's our look at the news for today. If you're streaming Hyperchannel from our website... Subscribe. You can have it delivered directly to your device of choice every single day. That helps me out. More subscriptions help us rise up in the rankings. And also, it's easy for you because the new episode will get pushed right out to you. You won't even have to go looking for it. You can also get Hyperchannel in the Trek Film Complete Master Feed, which contains every episode of every show that we do. As I mentioned earlier on, I would love to hear from you. I'd love for you to send me some feedback, just like William and Alex did. And you can find me on Twitter. My username is C Brian Jones. That's the letter C and Brian with a Y. I'm on Facebook, facebook.com slash C Brian Jones. I also have my own website, cbrianjones.com. And then for the network, we're on Twitter. Our username is trekfm, facebook.com slash trekfm, Google Plus. Just search communities and you'll find us there. We also have forums at trek.fm slash forums if you prefer traditional forum chats. We also have voicemail. Look in the sidebar on the show page and you'll see a widget there. And we have a contact form, trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and choose Hyperchannel and that will come to me by email. Well, thanks for listening today, everyone. I hope your week is off to a great start and I'll be back tomorrow with some more stories for you. Until then, go watch some Trek. Trek.